0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Yesterday was the federal election in Canada. The incumbent Liberal Party under Justin Trudeau had a majority prior to the election, with 177 out of a total of 338 seats in Parliament. A total of 170 seats are required to form a majority. There were six parties vying for position in the election, along with a handful of independents. The two major parties are the Conservative Party, which runs a little right of center, and the Liberal Party, which sits to the left of center. The third party is the New Democratic Party, which is decidedly left-wing in their politics. And then there's a few wildcards. The Bloc Québécois is a party based in the province of Quebec, and they're exclusively focused on furthering the interest of Quebec, Canada's only French-speaking province. Historically, the Bloc was furthering the agenda of Quebec independence. These days, they don't talk about separatism and are focused on protecting Quebec's interests at the federal level. The Bloc Québécois could hold the balance of power in a coalition government with either the liberals or the conservatives. The Green Party, the People's Party, the Independents, and a few other French parties make up the balance. When you look at what each party is proposing on their election platform, there are supposedly about a dozen election issues, at least according to the media then there's the big issue that really decides the votes. Do voters like the candidate who is elected as the leader of the party who would ultimately be named prime minister? Do they consider the politician to communicate in an authentic way, or do they find them manipulative? Justin Trudeau, who has held the role of prime minister for the past mandate, narrowly won enough votes to form a minority government in last night's election. This means that any major legislation is going to require coalition with at least one other party and possibly more. The popular vote separating the liberals and the conservative party was less than 2%. Neither party managed to secure more than 33% of the popular vote. So it's really surprising that any party was able to form a government at all with such a low percentage of the popular vote. Now, the U.S., by comparison, has a decidedly two-party system. You either get a Democratic Congress, a Democratic Senate, and a Democratic White House, or Republican Congress, Republican Senate, and a Republican White House. But in Canada, there's multiple parties. There are two major parties that seem to capture the majority of the votes, but there's nothing enshrined in the system that limits the number of parties. One of the major issues in the Canadian election this time was the interference by Prime Minister Trudeau in the criminal investigation of SNC-Lavalin, a Montreal-based engineering company that was found to be acting improperly by paying $48 million in bribes to the Libyan government from 2001 to 2011. The federal government's own rules say that companies found guilty of graft are not eligible for contracts with the Canadian government. That would put thousands of jobs at risk. By committing these misdeeds in Libya, SNC-Lavalin put a much larger piece of domestic business at risk. The prime minister interfered in the investigation, justifying the interference by saying that he was trying to protect Canadian jobs. Now, the biggest loser on Election Day was the Liberal Party, who lost their majority and closed out the night with 158 seats, down from 177. The big winner was the Bloc Québécois, who went from 10 seats in Parliament to 33. The Conservative Party also gained quite a bit, with an additional 23 seats, but not enough to form the government. The other big loser for the night was the New Democratic Party, who lost 17 seats in Parliament. Now, minority governments are traditionally unstable. They tend to gridlock very easily and they don't tend to get much done. Some would argue that the number of seats in Parliament doesn't reflect the popular vote, and it's true. The breakdown of population along the electoral map means that the Liberal Party managed to gain a lot more seats than the popular vote would imply. Countries that have an electoral system based purely on proportional representation also have a very hard time forming majority governments. You only need to look at Italy or Israel for examples of the pitfalls of a proportional representation electoral system. After several weeks since the last general election in Israel, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu came forward today to concede that despite having the most votes, he's not been able to put together a democratic coalition needed to form the government. Minority governments in Canada also have a history of not lasting very long. They often fall within 18 to 24 months, and the country goes back to the polls. This particular election was one of the most divisive in recent memory. There were numerous personal attacks and issues where the candidates themselves became the issue. Much like in the U.S., the political division is regional. Canada tends to see a stronger base of support in the western provinces for the Conservative Party and a stronger base of support for the Liberal Party in Ontario and Quebec. This is very similar to the U.S., where people in the coastal regions tend to vote very differently from the people in the middle of the country. When an election campaign is run as a negative campaign, I find that it's very difficult to find things to vote for, only things to vote against. As you think about that, keep an eye out for the next upcoming US federal election, and hopefully there's something to vote for. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.